0: Welcome to the Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary.
1: Hi, I'm Bill Hendricks, Executive Director for Christian Leadership at the Hendricks Center, and I want to welcome you to the Table Podcast. At the table, we discuss issues of God and culture. And today, the title of our Podcast is a healthy Christian approach to sexual attraction, and even in saying that title, I feel like I've got a rattlesnake in front of me. Um, you know, if you if you if you pick up a rattlesnake properly, you don't have any problems. But if you pick up the wrong end, uh, it can go bad real quickly. Fortunately, I've got two snake charmers here with me who are ideal. And you, if you've watched the podcast for any length of time, these are by no means strangers to you. Uh, first of all, I want to introduce Debbie Wade, who is a licensed professional counselor and a marriage and family counselor. Thank you for being with us today, Debbie. You bring a lot of deep expertise into this topic. And Thanks Gary, for letting me come back. You know, I, yeah, of course we want you back, especially for this. <laughs> and Gary Barnes, Dr. Gary Barnes, who is a professor of counseling here at, at the uh, seminary, thank you, Gary. Yes, again, great to be a stranger back. to the to the podcast. And both of these folks have deep expertise in this whole area of human sexuality. But again, as I as I said, a healthy Christian approach to sexual attraction, I think for many of our listeners, a healthy Christian approach to everything's fine up to that. But when you hear the word sexual attraction, it's like, wait a minute, how mm-hmm. how, how does that work? Can there be such a thing? Because there's a lot of I mean, you know, the New Testament says, "Flee youthful lust," and so there's this sense of we we sexual attraction. You know, that's something you you, you try to push away, but there's a healthy approach to this, and a Christian approach to boot. So, yes, talk to us about how yes. that works. You know, Bill, I, I think before we
2: could really begin to talk about sexual attraction, we would just have to talk about God and sexuality, right? Just. Let's get the big picture here. Okay. And then we can kind of see how the attraction piece fits in.
1: Because you're saying sex is actually
2: God's idea. You know, it's something that we do- didn't just come up with, you know?
3: <laughs> we didn't just attribute it to him. I mean, he, he really did design us. Sex- it's not something that
2: God got surprised by. Right. You know? Right. And so, um, you know, I one of my favorite quotes about sexuality is from Dan Allender. And he says, you know, sex is a window into the heart of God. Hmm. That's a great thing to think about. Well, it's a deep thing to think about. Yes. Like, boy, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. And so, I think in God's design, he was realizing we're going to need some real special help to understand multi-levelled intimacy. Mhm. And so, you, first of all, he wants us to understand the Godhead and the intimacy of the Trinity. Christopher West says that the Trinity is a eternal exchange of love.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Hmm. I, like I like that. And it's, it's an intimacy that is something we can get a glimpse of, but it's so deeper and richer in a divine sense right. than we can fully grasp. And and I think God knew we need extra help to grasp this. And so I think he gave us an experiential object lesson Hmm. Hmm. to provide this window into the heart of God. And and so it gives us this eternal intimacy within the Godhead. It also helps us understand the intimacy of Christ and the bride, the church, and the intimacy there. And then it helps us understand our horizontal relationships in the here and now on earth, in our intimate relationships, for sure, in marriage, but way beyond marriage,
1: in our brothers and sisters in Christ's right. intimacy. so you're you're early on here introducing this idea of intimacy, which certainly you know gets has connotations of of sexual intimacy. But it's, it's, it goes beyond sexuality, right? It does. Yes.
2: But, you know, in our time and space, sexuality plays a really special role in this. But sexuality is limited right. to time mm. and space. You know, sexuality is not going to be eternal. Right. But it serves a really important purpose in our time and space right now. Absolutely. Because we're embodied creatures. We are. We're embodied, but we're also sexual beings right by design you cannot Which is also be spiritual right not a sexual being now you can repress
1: it but God made us as sexual beings
2: mm-hmm.
1: so Debbie t- talk to us about this notion of sexual attraction because mm-hmm. um, that puts a finer point on there's a desire here involved and and we all know from personal experience that, you know that's a powerful desire
3: right so I'd want to really make sure that we separate sexually attracted that chemistry versus lust. Because you said in the, the beginning, you know, we think sexual attraction and some people think, oh, well, a sexual attraction, that can't be Christian because that would right. be lustful. You right. know? And you know, lust truly is objectifying, just seeing one level of, of a person and then desiring that to the point of wanting that for myself mm. and objectifying. Mm-hmm. Sexual attraction I think is way deeper and encompasses so many things. That certainly the way that God designed us physiologically, we do have that chemical reaction and that chemistry that we may experience with others, and we know there's an attraction there, right? You know, but we wouldn't just want to base a relationship on just that, on attraction. Just that attraction.
1: There's so much more, and we'd have
3: to be so careful with that because you know we, we think just the culture we live in, and so much is put on the physical. You oh, know. in
1: this culture, in this True. culture,
3: uh, you, you can't pick up a magazine or a TV movie, Buy tires. You, a, every, right? It's <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're going to and we're going to use attractiveness to right. sell and, and all things. Someone could ooh, we think we're attracted to them, not even lustful. We just find that we're attracted to them. If they do something bad, they're in the news the next day, and we're just like ooh, not attracted anymore. No, right. thank you. You know, but then we could take a couple who've been married sixty some odd years. Yeah,
1: that's what's beautiful. They've
3: grown old together. They were attracted to each other physically, physically. and although their body physically has changed. Because of intimacy, there being an attraction, hmm. and then a deeper knowing, right. they would still say out of all their body changes, their wrinkles and everything, we're as attra- right. attracted to each other now as we were 60 years ago. Right. And, and there's a deeper meaning in that. And I think that's part of why it is so important. And you were speaking of God, and when we think of the character of God, God is so creative and he designed all of us so uniquely that I believe he would would not have gone to all that trouble
1: all right. <laughs> to design,
3: you know, it, it'd been so easy. They'll just all look like this, you know, or we make them all look like her, or we make them all look like him. But he went to such uniqueness in all of us that I think of course in our design we would have attract we would have different attractions mm-hmm. to different people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that what one female may be attracted to in maleness, another female may be attracted to something else. And, and I just think he, to, to ignore that would be to ignore so many of the magnificent ways that God went to prove his love and his design and his character. We'd have to ignore that.
1: Well, you Well, you raise a very interesting point there we we will refer to someone as, oh, they're so attractive. And what we're really saying is they're attractive to me. Yes. They might not be attractive to someone else. I mean, yeah. you know, my first wife passed away back in 2000, and I didn't date for the entire first year after she passed, which was probably one of the smartest things I've mm-hmm. ever done. But eventually you kind of get back into the dating scene. Um, <laughs> That deserves a whole podcast into itself, mm. by the way, yes. <laughs> at age 47. But, um, you know, people would say, oh, I need to introduce you to so-and-so. Right. She's drop-dead gorgeous. Uh-huh. And then I would meet so-and-so, and I'm like, you know. Is this the one you want yeah, to Yeah, right. <laughs> so my point there is, um, you know, sexual attraction really does come on a, on a person-by-person basis,
3: mm-hmm.
1: both the, you know – the attractiveness of a person, as well as my attraction to them,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, but I guess that's where people get tripped up, and particularly in a Christian setting. Here you are, you know, in an office, a school, uh, wherever your your day happens to be spent, and you find yourself attracted to somebody, and you're you're a little overwhelmed because you're like. Wow, you know that person really is drawing me, mm-hmm. and that's a little bit scary. You're oh, like, yes, boy, I got to keep this from getting out of control, but I can't just say that doesn't exist because I know it exists and I kind of like it, but I don't know what to do with it. And so mm-hmm. there's just all this confusion that I think many many Christians feel. Yes, yeah. for sure.
3: Yeah. What do and, we
1: do about well, that? Well, I I think if we have some guardrails to guide
2: us. You well, know? you know,
1: and 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 look. Y'all have heard as many sermons on sexuality as I have, and 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 the very common line is, um, look, Jesus said, whoever works, looks on a woman to lust for, looks on a woman to lust for, has committed adultery, and so the idea is, well, it's okay to have the first look, but not the second look. And I'm like, well, that sounds good, it preaches well, but does, how mm-hmm. how does that work? Yeah. You know?
3: Yes mm-hmm.
2: so again getting back to Debbie's comment about objectifying for self-gratification okay see that is not attraction mm-hmm. that's lust, lust. Mm-hmm. right and so attraction can be beholding the beauty mm. hmm and it's powerful and it's mm-hmm. meant to be powerful mm-hmm. it's like you could... I like your rattlesnake metaphor, but also dynamite's a good metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's powerful on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. see? And it could be used for constructive purposes uh, mm-hmm. or destructive yeah, purposes. Yeah, exactly. But it's not ho-hum. And that, that's really the good thing mm-hmm. about God's idea of sexuality is that it's not supposed to be ho-hum.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're suggesting maybe that you, know, you see someone who's in your eyes beautiful we mm-hmm. We're sort of in Psalm 139 at that point. Boy, Lord, I that person's fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. When you put that person together, at least physically, um or maybe the attraction isn't so much physical, but it's something in their character. I, I, that's also a kind of yes. a sexual attraction. Yes, exactly. Yes. Totally. You're like, "Wow, that yes. would be wonderful to live with." Yes. That's a that's a beautiful you know, creation that you have created, yeah, yeah. Lord. So here, here's uh, a
2: little handy visual picture for me. Okay. I call it the slippery slope of sexuality. Okay. okay. So, on the bottom side of one part of the slope, we have a response of demonizing sexuality. Mm-hmm. Right. Sex. Oh, that's enemy, bad. Right. Oh, that's bad. Okay. Now, on the other side of the slope, we can slide to deifying. Sexuality. So I'm trying to make sex something that it wasn't meant to right. be. Right. Okay. And it becomes an ultimate. An idol. For me. An idol. Yeah. Yes. Now, at the top, the slippery slope that we tend to slide to one side or the other is sacred sexuality. Hmm. And, and that is God's call for us to elevate. I really like that word, mm-hmm. elevate. Hmm. See, it's not what the broken person in a broken fallen world raised by broken parents under attack by satan would naturally think <laughs> right okay right. they're going to go one side of the <laughs> yeah, other yeah. on that yeah but but what god has given us is a gift hmm. that he wants us to elevate <laughs> and the purpose again is to draw us beyond the physicalness of sexuality, although the physicalness is necessary to the drawing. Right. And that's what attraction contributes to. It's a powerful part of the drawing,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but we can't let it pull us to either side of the I like that. slippery slope. That's helpful. Right.
3: And if I could say where I think the tension happens and why it's so difficult, if I can to say in the circle of Christianity, I think sometimes Christians want things to be easy. They don't like to live in the tension.
1: No. Mm-hmm.
3: And and so that's why I, I think it's too often. Tell me often. what to do. Tell me what to do, and we'll all just repress it. How far can yeah. I go? Yeah. Or or if I'm a tra- I'll just repress it, and and right. j- just that that that's dead to me. I'll repress it. And then hopefully, when That's I walk down that marriage aisle, and on wedding night, I can just lift it back up and <laughs> you know flip that switch or tap that app and, and that there it is. You, you
0: know,
3: <laughs> because we don't like living in the tension. Right. Or on a seminary campus, somebody may have everything we've ever dreamed. Of. I mean, that right. they meet. All 16 points on my list except for I'm not really sexually attracted to them. But that'll be good, because then we won't be tempted That's right. while we're dating. Or he meets or she meets everything on there, and I probably feel a little more holy because I'm invested in her, although I'm not okay. all that sexually attracted to her. And God will reward me for being so holy for dating. Oh, and also, <laughs> and, and my pastor easy. said,
2: "Don't worry, because once you get married, it'll all happen. It'll come." Yes,
3: and I think that that if, if I could speak to anybody, it would be that that sexual attraction in the beginning is so powerful and it's needed. And, and that's needed to draw us together. We don't want it to be the only thing. But that's where we want to look at whole person, uh, body, soul, and mind. I want to know that, per, that, that person. But beyond the outer beauty, I want to know the inward beauty or the inward handsomeness, whichever works for you. I, I want to know that, too. I want to know the mind. I, w- I want to know their spiritual hmm. relationship with the Lord. I, I want to know them. I, I want to do life with them. But I need to be attracted to them. Probably – I don't know what your experience is, Gary, but some of the saddest yes. couples that I work with doing sex therapy with, or they come in, and when I get them separated, it's like, he met all the qualities except for I wasn't sexually attracted, and everybody told me, well, that's really okay, because when you get married, it'll come. Mm-hmm. It'll make dating easier, you know, right. and and that doesn't come, Right. and, and it's – Hard to manifest.
1: What do you say to a couple like that?
3: Oh gosh, that's a whole nother. Yeah, <laughs> that's mini <No>, sessions. <laughs> I can see
1: that. That's not. That's not quick that's, therapy. No, no. No, it's it's
3: not quick therapy, <clears throat> and it can be rewarding therapy. And of course, we would never want a couple to separate. Right. If they if they did marry with that, we wouldn't want that to be a reason to not stay married. But that's where I think as Christians we need to help other Christians really change that message and pour in that yes, sexual chemistry, physical chemistry, uh, again, I think God went to too much trouble Mm. to make us so complex Mm -hmm. that we can't ignore that. It's there for a reason, you know.
1: Well, I was going to say as I was preparing for our our podcast today, you know, I I thought all these things we're, we're raising about you know the challenges of being sexually attracted to people. But I don't know which is worse: to be sexually attracted or to not be sexually attracted. Yes, if it's somebody has yeah, yeah. no attraction. Well, it gets back to the you slippery sort slope. of wonder so are, are either you're alive one, inside. You know,
2: either one can kind of promote one side of the slippery slope or the got other. It, so right, And and we're we're still going to be challenged to elevate hmm. to the sacred now. Well, getting back to what Debbie was just talking about, about God creating us multidimensional. The physical is of God. Right. It's not spirit good, body bad. Right. That's it's, important. Uh, to, very to important. That's God's Remind everybody plan. of that. Yes. We're material beings as well as yes. immaterial. We're embodied spirits. Gotcha. On purpose. Yeah. And part of that is about the physical sexualness right. of us. Right, right. Mm-hmm. There's hormones that are involved, right. okay? This is like chemistry, like real chemistry, not yeah. just emotional chemistry, <laughs> right? okay? And so uh, one of our colleagues, Doug Rosenau, who we owe a lot to in our learning and training, uh, comes up with 3D, three-dimensional, whole person. <laughs> you could think in terms of we're physical beings. Mm-hmm. We're also psychological beings, mm-hmm. mind and emotion, mm-hmm. but we're also spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's the whole person that God wants to relate to him. Mm-hmm. It's the whole person that he wants us to relate to one another. It all taps into, I think, that window into the heart of God. And understanding – it's not the main theme of the Bible, but it is cover-to-cover through the Bible as a sub-theme, this concept of oneness that is not based in sameness.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Again, going back to the Trinity Mm -hmm. is the ultimate picture of it, but we get to experience it as whole people. So maleness and femaleness in an exchange, not just as physical beings – but as sexual whole beings. Gotcha. See? Right. I'm, I'm a sexual being in a physical way, in a psychological way, and in a spiritual, spiritual way. way. Right. You bring all of that. All of that. See? And all of that is a way of reflecting the image of God when
1: it's elevated. So how, <clears throat> how can our listeners elevate? How, how, how can they – Begin to think in those terms, and I assume it's 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 a perception, it's an awareness, it's a thinking sort of thing, mm-hmm. as well as a feeling thing. Yeah, yeah,
3: mm-hmm. yeah. I would say. How do we
1: elevate our view of healthy sexuality?
3: Yeah, I know this is going to sound pretty basic, but I think in in starting off one with a heart of gratitude, hmm. uh, a gratitude that God chose to make us as sexual beings, uh, a gratitude that God chose to make both male and female. Uh, That God chose, you know, in his creative way uh, to make us so uniquely different. And I think when we stay in a heart of gratitude, that we're aware of it so we can't repress. We're grateful for it. And then I think when we have a gratitude and a gratefulness for something and we know that he is the creator, that helps us get in line of keeping this elevated. It's not just being grateful for the object or just dying in and going, whoa, I'm liking what I see. It's no, I want to be grateful to a Creator who chose to do this for our benefit and for His glory.
0: God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform.
1: Well, no, I love what the sound of what you're saying, and I agree with it. Mm -hmm. And then I I quickly realize how countercultural what you're saying is because Mm -hmm. I can think of so many people I know who, you know, when they think about being grateful for themselves, what God's put together they struggle with that because they're like well you know I'm grateful that I'm a man but I'm too short or mm. why did god make me a woman you know mm-hmm. or why did he make you know okay I'm a woman but why do I look this way you know i mean and and all of that of course is heavily influenced by this culture we live mm-hmm. in which is so mm-hmm. sexualized and mm-hmm. and just has got all of the values messed up mm-hmm. and uh yeah and 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 gosh, you know people in a sense rank themselves where where do I fit relative to others
3: mm-hmm.
1: and mm-hmm. and that loses any side of gratitude
3: mm-hmm.
1: and again heavily focused on the physical not right Whole the person, psychological 3D. the spiritual yeah that that, that for many doesn't even enter into the picture right
3: right
1: but I, I, I how do gratitude that's a whole new th- way of thinking for many of us,
3: yeah, so Gary mentioned elevated earlier, and when I think of even what I do with therapy and walking couples through healthy sexuality, because it does begin um, I mean I think it should begin in early years, as learning healthy sexuality, mm. but with what I teach and kind of what what I'm trying to help in therapy to get this healthy concept. I walk through that we have to be liberated in from some of the culture biases and buy-ins. Um, we All have right. to be liberated from the bondage of of maybe the things that have happened to us in the past mm-hmm. or the choices we made along the way and we mm-hmm. did to ourselves, really trusting in the healing power that that when God says in Jeremiah, I, I will heal your wounds and restore you to health. Not, not all Scripture's about sex, but most Scripture can be applied to sex. <laughs> if We said, right. I will heal your sexual wounds, hmm. saith the Lord, and restore you to hmm. sexual health. So that right. we could have a gratefulness for how we are designed and feeling liberated and how we can live that. Then I, I think truly then what, what Scripture would want us to, to be liberated with healthy sexuality And then we truly have to be educated. We've Mm got to know some things about it, and and know when we've uh, are buying into myths and Mm -hmm. misconceptions, and Mm -hmm. we're not educated and and be healthily educated. Mm -hmm. And so we we need to educate our singles that are out there in attractiveness, because attractiveness is something that we don't just have to monitor and and have healthy boundaries around in our singleness. I mean, we're all married. We still have to have good boundaries around Absolutely. what we're attracted to Absolutely. and who we're attracted to and how to have that in a healthy way. So to be educated, and then as okay. you were saying, we, we do want our sexuality to be elevated, and again. Are we going to keep it as something that we believe is sacred and holy? Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Are we going to put it in a part that God designed this again for our benefit, His glory, but put it in a concept, then what are the things I put in place to keep it elevated? Mm -hmm. And then I think in um, relationships and and, and just in teaching and to understand a healthy maleness and female maleness and the way we interact, I think it's got to be celebrate
0: it. Mm-hmm.
3: And in celebrating, so coming back, that, that we women could learn to celebrate our uniqueness and how we're designed. Um, I, I love the passage in Psalm 45, 10 and 11 where it says, Consider, oh uh, daughter, consider and give ear. Mm. Forget your people in your father's house. For your king is enthralled mm. with your beauty. Mm-hmm. Honor him for his Lord. Now, I don't think we ought to be cocky and entitled, right. but if we women carried ourselves as if our creator is enthralled with our beauty,
1: I it mean, it's a whole different. Oh,
3: I think it won't be so something. much. We're going to be attractive to just about everybody. We're, <laughs> you know, but to, to, but to realize. That our attraction, our attractiveness, it's not just outer beauty, but if we carry that with confidence, our inward beauty comes out right. and, it, and it just exudes with us. And then for that over time with couples and to keep that attractiveness going and that attraction and the healthiness, it, it's got to be cultivated. Mm-hmm. And, and and we tend to think, well gosh, attractiveness is so natural or attraction is so natural, then whatever we feel in the very beginning, it'll just happen. It'll just grow. It'll just maintain. Because it's organic. It's right. natural. You know. But if we say that about a garden, I'm not into gardening, it's too much work. <laughs> but I know we're using organic, natural earth and we throw in natural organic seed and water. Pretty natural inside, right. mm-hmm. and we can't just throw it in and put it together and go. I've got an organic garden; it's gonna grow. <laughs> we have to work at it and cultivate it, and, and see what it needs. And pull the weeds. And pull the weeds. Find out what's <laughs> messing that attraction up. Right. And so I do believe it's 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 a space that that requires all those things long term, you know, uh, to be liberated, to be educated. Our sexuality and attraction needs to be elevated, and
1: cultivated, celebrated,
3: celebrated and cultivated. So,
1: so you mentioned the word early there, and I, I think I'm about to flip the switch on a yet another podcast topic by asking this question. But it now seems when you introduce the word early, you know, I immediately think about the role that parents play mm. in helping their children, yes, elevate. Yes. Sexuality as well as this whole notion of attractiveness. It's huge.
2: It's gigantic. And if you um are talking to people behind closed doors or if you just do general surveys and you're asking where'd you get your sex education? And what did you get at home or what did you get at church? hmm Usually, that's it's a short three conversation. Words. Don't do it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's about right. Yeah, yeah, that's my sex education. Yeah. See, and so we also give the message, uh, even in our Christian communities, yeah. that you're not even a sexual being until you become married. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And don't even yeah. think about being sexual right. if you're single. See, so there's a lot of miseducation mm-hmm. that may be well intended. But is still mis- miseducation. Education. Absolutely. See? Yeah. And we especially, I think, need to uh, do makeup work on single sexuality, mm-hmm. and and elevate it mm-hmm. and yeah. give it a vision
1: mm-hmm. that know? there
2: is life apart from marriage. It, it, it's yes. God's <laughs> ideal that you are a sexual being as a single, and yes. you you have a unique way right. in a unique mission mm-hmm. as a single sexual compared to – but it's not second class. Right. It's not secondary. But it does have a uniqueness to it. I, I like Stanley Grinz's explanation. He says, okay, just like you need male and female to bear God's image, you need singles and marrieds to bear God's image. Mm-hmm. because." Any one of those is an incomplete image bearer. Mm-hmm. See? Absolutely. So in a married couple, intimacy is uniquely bearing God's image about his exclusive love, mm. whereas single intimacy as a whole person being, right. including sexual, right, is demonstrating God's inclusive love. Mm-hmm. Mm. But it's it has distinctives in how you're being a sexual being as a single or as a married. Gotcha. And so we're we're totally missing our opportunity to elevate, uh, especially for singles.
1: I think in this way. Mm-hmm. Well, so <clears throat> let me let me try to put this in some practical terms. Uh, let's come up with a hypothetical. Um, and being a man, I'll speak you know as a man. Um, so. A man's in an office setting and uh, a new person's hired, who happens to be female, and when she's introduced, his instant reaction is, wow, she's gorgeous, okay? And let's say for the sake of argument, she's single. Now, first of all, you know, if the man is married, that kind of attraction he already knows. Okay, if he's faithful to his marriage vows, there's a boundary here that I can't pass. Whereas if he's mm-hmm. single, I think I think there's a strong tendency for the guy to go, boy, uh, I'd, I'd like to get to know her. I'd mm-hmm. like to move forward mm-hmm. here. Okay, and yes. but but it seems to me somewhere in here, whether married or single, the guy, uh, what I'm hearing is there's some there's some reflection he needs to do. About that attraction, is that?
2: Oh, we have to be very intentional with. Tell it. me more about that. Okay, so <coughs> there, I, th- I think there's two expressions, sexual expressions, that are really helpful in mm-hmm. an educating way. To think of social sexuality mm-hmm. and erotic sexual expression. Okay. okay. What's the difference? Okay. So in a social sexual exchange, I am not trying to neuter the exchange. I'm actually embracing the maleness and the femaleness, or you might say the otherness, because I don't want right. to over stereotype what right. maleness and femaleness That's is. Right. But let's just say the otherness right. and the also chemistry, mm-hmm. that's the chemical chemistry right, that's, going okay, right. that's going on in that exchange. See, when I neuter it, I'm, I'm taking away the, the potential, the capacity of Anything. that exchange right. in terms of what it can be like. Gotcha. See, in the process of this, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of 3-D exchange, whole-person exchange, mm-hmm. not just a physical – While you have physical beauty or you have sexual attractiveness, the way the world would define sexual attractiveness. I'm thinking of whole-person exchange,
1: mm-hmm.
2: okay? And so – but I'm not neutering, I'm not repressing so that I'm not experiencing Sexual feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm boundarying sexual behaviors, mm-hmm. but I'm
1: embracing that this is a whole person exchange, mm-hmm. which is really important right. because of the problem of objectifying that you mentioned. Right. If I just look at them as a one-dimensional body, and well, I that's don't right. see there's a whole person here, right. and I need to take into account the whole person. And this is where the
2: slippery slope comes in. Right. right. So um, we tend to have a tendency to repress the whole thing right. as a way of having a boundary, right. which is actually a really unsafe boundary. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Or we tend to deify, and then we physically objectify, right. and then it's about self-gratification, then it is embracing and bringing
1: out the best of somebody else's otherness. Well, and I, and I can see that the whole person really is the whole package in the sense that it's all, it's all tied together, meaning um, I've certainly had this experience myself of meeting somebody, and I think, wow, she's gorgeous. She's really attractive. But then after hanging around this person and watching her interact with people or maybe with me, I'm like – you don't look nearly as attractive as you did, you know, an hour ago. <laughs> you yes. know, I'm I'm actually kind of repulsed here, right. and and of course that's how many marriages are there out there right. where, yes. oh, you know, he was my prince, she's my prince, you know, and right. and we have the marriage, we have the wedding, right, and you know, six weeks later, they're they're like hardly mm-hmm. talking to each other because they've discovered who they married,
3: right. <laughs> I'm going to come back to two words that I I would say. If we have that slippery slope, that that help us maybe navigate staying at the top where it's elevated. And the two words that come to mind for me is respect Mm. and steward. Okay. That, that God expects us to respect others. And again, re- respect females in, in, in the way that they exude their femaleness. And, right. and, and, and that, that could cover a wide range of variety of how somebody would express their femaleness. Yeah. But for men to respect females, and then for us females, that we would respect. The male. And so I'm going to respect you as a whole person. So I, I choose to respect your body. I respect our interaction. I, I respect your uniqueness. So I am going to respect that this is also could be dangerous mm-hmm. if I did not steward myself well. You know, God gives us uh, the ability and a lot of freedom in two areas that are very powerful the ability to make money. And our sexuality, he mm. he designed us with our sexuality, and he trusts us. I mean, when we think of that how much he trusts us in that. Yeah. And he says, "I'm going to trust you, but I'm also going to ask you to steward it well."
1: What's well, right out of the creation mandate? Yes. yes. I'm yes. giving you this world. And exercise, your your right. exercise, exercise your power. Exercise your power. Exercise your power. And
3: so, for if if I don't repress my sexuality, but I am going to steward mm-hmm. it well and I'm going to respect you in the process it really helps and again I think there's a lot of boundaries we could create on what are boundaries I need in stewarding just kind of like we have financial planning how do we steward our finances well so we we we're able to to do with our finances what we want to do and honor God so finding the healthy boundaries that help us steward our sexuality well and then what is it that we do that makes sure that we are always respecting Others and in, in their body, their personhood. So,
2: well, can, can I go, go back ahead. to the social sexuality yeah. thing? Because, you know, Debbie and I uh, co teach a course here on human sexuality. It's an elective course, not required, but we uh, get so many requests that it would be required. Putting in a plug for <laughs> I'll it. Bet. But one of the big things that we have some of our best discussions about in this class is about social sexuality expression. Mm -hmm. And so... Which would be the kind of... Because when I'm embracing this whole person exchange, that's not sexual behavior, genital erotic behavior, but it's still a full sexual exchange, what is going to happen is I will have sexual feelings. Mm -hmm. And so it's about Debbie's term, respecting and stewarding the sexual feelings that mm-hmm. are also in the exchange, right. both mm-hmm. from me and from you. It's, it's mm-hmm. a two-way exchange. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. And so I have to live in the tension, tension. Yes. of feeling sexual attraction in mm-hmm. that exchange, but I'm respectful and I'm responsible in my stewarding so that I don't let the feelings drive my choices. Right. I don't have to act on the feelings. Yes. But, uh, I, have to, but I have to I have to live them. in the tension right. of experiencing those feelings. Right. See? But I'm saying to myself, my feelings don't determine my decisions right. but I'm gonna have to work with them. hmm <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to be intentional with
1: these. Well the, 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 what you're describing here is a, is a, frankly a, a matter of spiritual growth and uh, and, and some mm-hmm. spiritual discipline if I could put yes. it that way. But here's where it disconnects, even on a seminary campus. Oh, mm.
2: <laughs> for sure. Men and women are passing each other on the sidewalks, and men are not even looking at women in the eyes. Right. Because they're afraid they'll have sex with them if they look at them in the eye.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Or they'll a want man to have sex with them a, if they have eye contact. Yes. Right.
2: A man will be on an elevator, and the door opens, and a woman steps in. And smiles and says, oh, do you know what time it is? And the guy jumps to the back of the elevator and says, I'm married.
1: <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I've seen that happen. Yeah, so you, it, I mean – And, the, and, and the, I mean, there, for some men, there's a, it's like the, there's a fear. Like, women are dangerous. Yeah, repression is my strategy. Exactly, exactly. And that's, I mean, that's how, not healthy. <laughs> that's a
2: time bomb ready to go off. Yeah. So, I, you know, we're we're growing godly servant leaders on campus that are missing the idea of how do I become a godly steward All right. of my sexual feelings. Well, I'm glad you're teaching
1: that class then. Well, maybe we should make it a required <laughs> maybe class. Maybe we should. Okay. No, because I, I think about somebody who's got that mindset, a man, mm-hmm. knowing, okay, the they make it all the way through graduation and so forth, and then they go, say, become a pastor in a yes. church. And now they've got people in his congregation looking to him for direction on the very things we're talking about. Yes. What's he going to say? More importantly, what's he going to model? Right. Yes, and, uh, exactly. What's he going to model?
3: Yes, it does. Because
1: modeling fun. repression
2: is not going to be helpful for the congregation, and it's going to be dangerous for him. It
1: just repeats the cycle. <sighs> So there's some other person that grows up in that congregation yes. and thinks, well, that's what it's, that's how it works. That's how we do it. Well, we got to change that. Yeah. Our yeah. our our listeners help to have to help us change that <laughs> in the places they have influence. Well, one one question we we're, we're starting to run on our time, but uh, we've talked about sexual attraction, which is sort of from within. It, it has that feeling of it, something within me is like being drawn toward this other person. What about sexual attractiveness? In other words, you know, the person who is they're putting their clothes on for the day and they're thinking about the mm-hmm. the face, if you will, mm-hmm. that they're gonna present the to the world. The presentation, mm-hmm. they wanna be attractive. Yeah. And, you know again, I, I, I think there's a bunch of cultural things driving it, but you know, is that a is that a healthy value to wanna be attractive? Yeah. That's definitely your question, Debbie. <laughs> From a biblical standpoint, just
3: You know, I again, God uses beauty throughout scripture. Yeah. And so I I believe if anything he would want us to believe within ourselves that because we are a creature that he designed, that there is beauty within us. And so I think there is a way that we can all choose to carry ourselves that puts our best self forward. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't mean we all always have to be all dolled up or always wear tuxes or whatever, but how can I exude my best? And and I believe that if I'm exuding my best because I believe inside positive things, I am probably going to exude positive attractiveness. If I loathe myself, if I'm disgusted with myself, if I don't appreciate all at how God designed me, that's what I'm going to exude. That's right. And so I think some of our outer attractiveness does come from within on how we carry ourselves, and and again, um, whether someone feels they exude beauty. I'm going to say females, without any makeup on versus if they do have it on, they still feel they can exude with confidence. If somebody feels that they can't go outside or set foot out in the yard unless they are all dolled up, then I would say that they need to work on how can they exude their natural beauty. Right. You know, but I believe that a lot of that's based on what do we believe coming back to the mind. What do we yeah. believe? It, it goes about back to the self.
2: slippery slope again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I repressing or deifying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. See,
1: in my presentation of attractiveness. Yeah. Well, and I also think it goes back to the whole person, the three D yeah. idea, because um, notwithstanding, yes, we have a physical being, which is what people see first. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think I think. The New Testament instruction uh, to women is, let not your adornment be external only. And it's important that word only's "only" is there. Mm-hmm. He's not saying, "Don't worry about that." He's saying, "Don't don't just focus on that." Which, of right. course, is where most people, right, certainly most women, I suppose, focus is like how that face look. You know, right. how does that hair look? I mean, that's fine, but let it be that person within. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. And then, then, how do that, we treat is others? There, is,
1: is that is there a beauty about yes. the the whole person yes. so that as they treat other people and they yes. they communicate there's a there's a beauty that exudes from them that becomes very attractive in every way not just sexually but just mm-hmm. you like to be around them as a person mm-hmm. because they're a great person mm-hmm. they they ultimately they're manifesting Christ to us in in their unique way yes mm-hmm. that's what that's what we want to mm-hmm. Elevate to, I think, right?
3: Right. Yes. I think it's the opposite of the example you gave earlier when you said somebody might be very attractive and you think drop-dead gorgeous and spending some time with them, then all of a sudden they're less and less pretty. Versus someone that you may not necessarily be as attracted to at first, but the more you get to know them, it's like as their beauty exudes, they all of a sudden become this. uh, I've seen that.
1: Many times. Beautiful
3: or handsome person, right? Because now you know them full body and full person. It's if that attraction never comes, if that physical attraction never comes, that would be someone you don't want to date.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Probably God didn't didn't design you to to move all the way into intimacy, mm-hmm. full intimacy with them. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is a very deep, complex subject. It seems to me, but a very practical one because. People deal with this all day long. All day long. We are sexual beings. Yeah. At every age. It's who we are. And 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 the real word here is we need to celebrate that, but we need to elevate elevate that to it. the place that God intended it to be. And and be very aware that the slope is
2: slippery. I do mm-hmm. tend to slide to demonizing and right. repressing, or I slide to
1: deifying and making it an idol. And fortunately, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's what. That's why. Christ has redeemed us so that we become more mm-hmm. like him.
3: And accountability with other people. All right. I like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, our time is gone. I want to thank the both of you for being here. This has been fantastic. And I want to thank our, our listeners for uh, stepping in with us. If you have a topic that you'd like to, us to consider here on The Table podcast or comments, feel free to email us at Table at dts.edu. That's the table at dts.edu. And for The Table, I'm Bill Hendricks. We'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth, love well.